Thomas. Elliot. Hi, Thomas. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Hello, listeners. How are you? Welcome, all listeners, to Do. You. Queer. What? I. Queer. That's Tom. And that's Elliot. And we're Dick We're Dick Wick. Wow. That was something, right? That was. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think after 90 tries, we would have gotten it down, but it's still always us, like, throwing things into the air and hoping they land. But it's also, like confusing because you and I keep like being in the same bubble and then now we're like recording digitally again because I'm quarantining it's just it's too much it feels nasty being digital again I feel like it was such a cock you were such a cock tease for the last few weeks letting me exist in a space with a human well I'm okay listen it's because I'm going to my hometown and I'm gonna be near babies and old people and I just like I just need to lock myself in a room for a week you know sure just does it look like I care about that no it doesn't I'm sorry I forgot you don't care about anyone's well-being that's Um, I should have thank you I should have remembered Um, just call me a white conservative gay except you're not (laughs) right sorry this is we're calling back to a conversation we had before we started recording about how poor white conservative cis gay men are being marginalized. I hope everyone's okay. I really just want someone to take a soundbite of you coming out as a as a conservative. Um, okay, <laughs> but listen. Die. But in all honesty, that being said, if you are a white gay conservative and if you feel like you have something to say, this platform is for people to speak, and you can come and you can talk to us. And you know, absolutely right? good point. Good oh my point. god, your face right now, Tom. Because we need more of those voices. I know. Okay, that's fucking fair. I'm just trying to be like, whatever. I, I know, know you're being the good, good diplomatic person, and I'm being the evil Satan, but that's fine. The good wife. Um, good wife. Okay, so big, like big news. I guess this is our second last episode of the season. Penultimate, indeed, isn't that what you said? Yeah, that's a great yeah. word. I love that word. So finally, I feel like we've had a lot going on this season. Um, we've had amazing guests, we've had a lot of things happening in the world, Mm -hmm. and we haven't yet had a chance to actually sit down and discuss, um, uh, discuss Dickwick. It's true. Uh, So that's what I'm hoping to do with you next week. Yes, definitely. I'm hoping to kind of take a walk down, like, season four memory lane and, like, talk about what we've learned from everyone so far. Um, and check in with each other personally, you know what I mean? Uh, we haven't done that in so long. There's a story or two that we have up our sleeves. Up my ass, maybe a couple. Um, <laughs> speaking of wonderful guests, though, I just wanted to really quickly plug um, Simon Palak from a few episodes ago. Um, his podcast is out now, This Isn't Therapy. And um, we're going to plug the, the trailer for the show right now, and you can tune in. Perfect. Hey, it's Jake, and I'm a therapist. Hi, it's Simon, and I'm a filmmaker. I was going to say a fraud. What is happening? Maybe you are. (laughs) I thought you were going to say a frog. Yeah, I'm a frog. Let's do it. Okay, ready? One, two, two, three. It's Jake and I'm a therapist. Hi, it's Simon and I'm a filmmaker. And this is our brand spanking new podcast, This Isn't Therapy. Each episode, we're going to send out a prompt uh, and it'll be based off something like vulnerability or positive stress or social anxiety. And then you, lovely listeners, will submit a story and uh, consent to having it be read on air by Jake and myself. And so we're gonna be just two old pals talking feelings and talking about a lot of the things that I hear a lot about in the therapy space and maybe all the things that may be relegated to the therapy room. And so we're gonna reach in, we're gonna pull out all of those topics and we're gonna talk about them here on this podcast. Uh, Because perhaps maybe we're not all alone 
and feeling these big things. Yeah, I love that. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be so much fun. Check out uh, the first couple episodes of This Isn't Therapy, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll, um, I guess, see you soon. We'll see you soon. I was gonna say that. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's great. We'll see you soon. All right, catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. Okay, so that was a trailer for This Isn't Therapy. Um, you can go rate, review, subscribe, find it wherever you find podcasts, and follow their amazing journey. I'm sure to delightful start them. as I'm not surprised how delightful that is. I know Simon is an is an absolute cookie. A cookie, a cookie puss, some might say. Cookie puss. Um, okay, so we have... Pu- su- not to be confused with a pussy cook. What's that? It's I was hoping... play on words. Okay. <laughs> I was hoping you'd have something more for me. A cat, that's a chef. Tom, you seem, you seem tired. How's, how are you doing? <laughs> how dare you call me out? I'm ready for um, this episode because it's so great. And we recorded it a few weeks back. And... We all got together uh, on a very, very hot day and sat in a room. Of course, we were with our amazing guests from maybe, what, a month and a half ago? Yeah, time lost all meeting, but yeah. Mother, Mocha motherfucking Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had some other special guests with us too, Elliot. Who were they? So there's Raven Wings, um, who is on the steering committee for Black Lives Matter Toronto. Um, she talks a lot about that. She talks a lot about her recent viral video that I'm sure everyone saw, where she speaks about the devaluing of Black life over the valuing of property, um, in specific reference to the statue, the Ryerson statue. Um, so yeah, I'm sure everyone saw that. And then also she talks about her dance company, Ilna Na Diversity Dance. Um, I'm going to put a link in the episode notes. There is a donation section on Ilna Na's website. And so um, if you're able to, um, you know, they, they run off donations and that would be amazing to keep this, this dance company going. Um, the actual plug for it, it says it's a queer multiracial dance company that embraces difference as strength and are committed to changing a landscape of dance by performing our stories on stage, as well as providing more accessible education and performance opportunities for LGBTQQ2S communities, prioritizing people of color, various body types, backgrounds, classes, and abilities. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely fucking wonderful. And if you're able to donate, I strongly suggest you do. Cool, that. well done. And then um, we have another very, very amazing special guest um, who's Michelle Wheeler, who is the sister of the late Alora Wells. Um, may she rest in power. And Michelle comes on to talk about um, her journey healing, um, dealing with the grief, grieving. Um, and she also, at the end of the episode, talks about her new business venture, Michelle's Nano Extensions. Um, if you are in Oshawa and if you're in need of Nano Extensions, we're going to drop the link in the episode notes to that as well. Um, or if you know anyone, just please share that link around. I think it would mean the world to yeah. Michelle. Um, Perfect. So there's some caveats that uh, we should talk about before uh, we dive in, which is, of course, this re- was recorded a few weeks ago and it was recorded for an Insta Live event yes. for Tea Time Tips Yes. Uh, in uh, featuring Dickwick. Uh, so it was live at the time. I don't know. Some of you may have tuned in, mm-hmm. but um, there was... Uh, one microphone in the middle of the table. So we did our best to speak into the microphone. Elliot, thank you for doing a bang up job scrubbing through and adjusting levels. You're the Jesse I always wanted you to be. Well, I mean, we're just like, no one should be the Jesse. Like, let's just get rid of Jesse once and for all, I think. Um, but no, I'm, have. <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. I, yeah, so just about the levels for this episode, um, we did do our best to make them all match. Um, some of the levels are lower and some are higher. And so 
I would suggest listening with headphones um, to get the best audio experience and to make sure that you can hear everyone as they should be heard. Um, also, like you mentioned, it was an Instagram Live and Instagram has been giving us a lot of troubles uploading this video for some reason. It's the heteropatriarchy. It absolutely is. Hopefully, um, by the time this audio episode is out, you can also go to our Instagram and look at the IG Live. Um, the audio is actually pretty good on that as well. So if there's anything you missed, I suggest checking that out. Um, we also all look super fucking cute, so I don't know why you wouldn't do well, that. Well, I'm, I'm sweaty as all fuck, so speak to yourself. Yeah, same here, um, actually. <laughs> the, the last thing you should say is that it's kind of a strange episode tone-wise mm -hmm. because we went into some um, some heartaches uh, that some of these people have gone through. And Mocha really wanted to keep it fun and uplifting, which I really appreciated. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's part of why we were there to help foster that. But we did play a, a Never Have I Ever Game, Never Have I Ever Game that we cut out of this recording because it doesn't really fit. It doesn't really quite make sense. But you can go, you can watch that on the IG Live. Is that right, Elliot? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we just cut it out because I find like it works better in video and less in audio. Um, sure, and it's not really it, it. It was for the the moment, the funny of the moment, but it it's. Uh, it doesn't really add to the narrative of the um, of the piece. That's why we cut it out. Right, definitely. Um, and also in terms of Mocha just being such a fucking wonderful host this episode, she pulled it along and also shout out to Tea Time Tips um, production team, Femdom Productions, um, run by Mir. Um, just they did a great fucking job. And also Fury was there helping out. And so thank you to Fury, to Mir. Love them both. Love them um, both. Absolutely wonderful. Just such a good experience. Um, there was something else that I wanted to say now that I'm kind of blanking on. Oh, yes. In terms of content for the show, um, just a little bit of a warning. It, it does get um, pretty heartbreaking at times and I think very necessary, important to listen to, um, but also just kind of a fair warning that this is a tough one. Um, and there's also a moment when um, Alora Wells' father uh, speaks up as well and shares part of his story coping with Alora's um, death. So, so just, um, yeah, uh, I guess just prepare yourself. The father who is not, not around the microphone. Right. He was sitting and watching and he chimed in. So that was, we tried to do our best to facilitate that space. Too. Yeah, absolutely. And to also boost up the levels of him talking. So I hope that you can hear what he has to say as well. This is a lot of jibber jabber. Let's get to it. Let's get um, right to it. One last thing you can run on over and rate, review and subscribe for us on Dickwick and leave us a little like cutesy review or an angry review. I don't care. Um, and you can e always email us at doyouqueer at gmail.com if you want to come on, if you have something to say, if you have some hate to give, uh, or if you want to buy some merchandise. Amazing. Enjoy this wonderful episode. Bye. Dawkins from T-Time Tips, and I'm here kicking it with Do You Queer How I Queer. We got Elliot, and we got Sam. Not only that, we got two special guests, y'all. Raven Wings and Michelle Wheeler! Bomb, 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 everybody! Okay, so, how's everybody feeling today? You know what I'm saying? How's everybody doing? So, I'm gonna start with you. We're doing this a hot, hot day. Mm. Uh, as Mocha said, my name is Tom. I'm from Do You Queer What I Queer. Mm. Um, we usually start off by saying like how we're feeling in terms of a color. Do you mind if I? Yeah, do. All right, all right. I feel like um, like a like a thousand suns sort of beating down on me and melting me into the desert. But like I'm still like sort of 
grooving and thriving. So like I I'm not I won't be I I won't be smudged into the ground. I'm still sort of using the sun, fighting the sun. I love yeah. that. Well, that's simple. That's a really yeah. simple answer. I like that. Yeah, you're doing great. You can tell I'm a writer. <laughs> I'm Raven Wings um, from Black Lives Matter Toronto and Elana Diversity Dance Company. Hey, we're cat here now. What? From where? Elana Diversity Dance Company. Okay. So, uh, yeah, my color is is pink today. Yeah. Pink. We feeling like what's her name? Janelle. Janelle. Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet. Yes. Mocha, do you have a color for us today? So I got all colors going on. Like I said, you already know what I'm saying. You know, I put on the most colors that I could today. Wait, y'all check my heels out. I got them at spring. I rather got them today for you guys. Oh, oh they're stunning. They're not, they're not exactly what I wanted, but not to go with this skirt, but I said, there's something cute. You know what I'm saying? I said, they're going to represent all colors. We all got to be up in here. No pedicure going on, too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, that's a hard act to follow. Um, my color today is like if somebody polished um, like a gold emblem again and again and again, and then wrapped it in satin. So I feel like I'm oh. shining, but like a little bit smooth and sexy, you know? Yeah, I see that for you. Thank you. That's my color today. Yeah. Michelle, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I don't know about my color, but I can introduce myself. I'm Michelle, and I am Laura Hennessy's sister, and I'm here to talk about her a little bit today. Thanks for joining us. Thank yes. you so much. Yes. <laughs> All right, so everybody, you know, do we do we got do we got viewers? Cause you know we're on live. Did, did anybody tune in yet? You know what I'm saying. Thank you for everybody tuning in. Thank y'all for all waiting. You know what I'm saying. Like shit, a bitch is sweating boots right now. Y'all don't even know. You know what I'm saying. Those who are tuning in, if you have any questions for anyone up here, please feel free to type them in, and Jesse will yell them at us, or Mir will yell them at us. But nothing stupid. Don't ask me no stupid questions. Don't ask nobody <laughs> no stupid questions. questions. I'll take stupid questions. Like, and you can feel those to me. It's very my thing. Okay, so we're going to start with our guest who we have today, which is Raven Wings and Michelle Wheeler. And as we already heard, Raven is a fierce, fierce idol in the icon scene. You know what I'm saying? She's from Il Nana. Had, sorry. First, let me even ask. What are your pronouns? She, her. She, her? So she is from Il Nanaz, you already know, and Black Lives Matter. So what I want to get on quickly, because I need the whole breakdown. See, I'm not one of those people, like, I don't like to do um, research. I like it to be like kind of like an original flow, but I, re- you, you already know I see you, you're like everything you already do. We perform on the same stage Absolutely. actually, you know what I'm saying? From Black Rama days going back, and you're still out there, you know what I'm saying? So, um, just tell me, like, how did you get started in Black Lives Matter? And um, was it Ilnana first or Black Lives Matter? Ilnana came first. I started Ilnana in 2007 after um, graduating from School of Toronto Dance Theater. Um, originally just to have fun, and then it became really like this vehicle of uh, change and representation and excitement. Um, and it was through Ilnana that I got connected with Black Lives Matter Toronto in 2016 um, for the Take Back the Night rally, which was uh, a night. Um, celebrating and honoring um, those who face gender-based violence, um, taking back the streets for themselves. And so I choreographed the flash mob. In that flash mob, um, we danced to Michael Jackson, and that was sort of my first introduction into sort of the team. So then I showed up 
a couple of their actions and rallies, and I would teach dance and movement to folks because um, I'm also um, an accessibility dance educator, and so recognizing the, the trauma that people were, were facing and being met with, um, I felt like it was important. The thing that I could do was go and share movement and stretching just to release some of that. Um, and then they asked me to join the team, and I said yes. Wasn't an easy decision, but I said yes. And, well, we happy you did, because I've been seeing you at Blockorama for like so many years. You know what I'm saying? I've been in love with you guys, for real. And usually I just say backstage, I do nothing, but I say, I actually go off for you guys' performance. No word of a lie. You're not coming hiking, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, like, for same, real. Same. You know? Same time. And... Raven, I have a question for you. Um, <laughs> online, it says that you're part of the queer... A transcendent empowerment movement um, doing storytelling. I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of a rundown on that. Sure. Um, so that's that's how I see myself, um, empowerment storyteller. So I do burlesque. Um, and in the field of burlesque, um, which started in the 1600s and started as a written text, first was like um, a mixture of comedy and satire. And the first real job that women could have and make their own money. So uh, within that field, there are lots of different kinds of burlesque. Many folks know the pussycat dolls for sort of the nouveau burlesque, um, but I do more embodied ritual sort of work that's about um, telling stories about trans lives, specifically mine. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what it means. I give us a little bit more about your life. Sure, I'm part of Le Femme Patel's Women of Color Burlesque, started by uh, Dainty Smith. Um, yes, I'm trans. I grew up in between Bermuda and Atlanta. Um, went to high school in Atlanta. Um, it was really fun, really good. A lot of culture, a lot of racism, because um, <laughs> it's in the South. Um, yeah, moved here in 2004 and started dancing, and I've been dancing ever since. And then recently, uh, the last four years, I've been working with Black Lives Matter Toronto and helping communities and fighting against anti-black racism. I'm saying, and you recently went viral with your um, with your video at Ryerson. Yes, I did. Correct. How's that? How's that going? Um, you know, it, it is um, a mixture of different feelings because the reason why we were there was because folks were arrested, and we wanted to make sure that they weren't left behind. Mm. And so, it wasn't really about having a viral speech, although I'm glad that. Went to different places and folks are having that conversation. Right. Um, who I was actually addressing was the media who were right in front of me. I didn't think that it would go pretty much beyond that. Um, but I was just really frustrated because we had had a, a 40 minute press conference and this was at the end of that press conference. Um, and we had laid out what the statues meant from, from um, Ryerson himself, you know, the architect of the residential schools of indigenous people. And then that system was um, reorganized and made in South Africa and became apartheid. And so it connects so many different communities uh, and displaced us as well as Australian Indigenous folks. So um, drawing attention to that, what we're celebrating here in Canada um, was the reason why we did that, to have a larger conversation about the structures we should break down. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the end of the speech, I just felt like they kept asking questions about the statues, why the statues, and we had answered it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, so, one more thing. <laughs> and then I said what I said. 
I feel like that's just what white people do. No shade. Well, <laughs> but you know, but shade too. You know what I'm saying? No shade, but shade. I feel like that's what. You know what I'm saying? How many times do you want to say the same that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's about that is like, their, their their focus is actually on the property as opposed right. to the lives that yeah. are lost, which is what we're drawing attention to. But the only way that we can get folks to pay attention is by um, disrupting public by like stopping traffic by mm-hmm. like showing up and um, sit-ins and all the kinds of things that we do. Because otherwise, all the letters that we write, no one pays attention to. Mm-hmm. That's why I also said that in the speech. It's like, we've been doing it in many ways, y'all. So, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're still hung up on a statue instead of the people themselves. Yeah, yeah, especially because the statues that were brought in, especially the one in Queen's Park, the horse, right. that, that marked the king um, and was in India, and they bro- broke it down and got rid of it because it represented colonization and just put it over here. Oh, really? So it just, Canada's it like, like, we'll take it. It's like it, it doesn't actually have any sis- history of this country, wow. and so it didn't make sense that it was there, and people protested, and it just went unheard, and so it was our way of being like, so we're listening to folks from 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're still alive with us today. That's the craziest thing, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and it, t- it takes so long to hear an individual's voice. And you know what I'm saying? It's all, like what people want to acknowledge is like just the ignorance of how they want to progress in. Anyway, don't even get me started because then I'm going to get on some academic levels and I don't even think y'all are ready for us to call it. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? But a 100 high five to that shit. I'm going to move my attention over to our next guest here, Michelle Wheeler. Michelle, girl. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, that's what's up. I've never done a podcast before or anything like this, so I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, don't be, don't be. Do, do you think you know what I'm saying? Shine, honey. Yeah, Let the world see. Walk, walk. <laughs> I wish I was more like you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are yourself, and that's what matters. You know what I'm saying? And you're here with us, too. So, y'all already know I was Alora's girl. I met Alora back in Montreal. Um, that's how we first met and then when I moved to Toronto we reconnected back in Toronto again and it was just you know I always had good times with her um, I have nothing bad to say about her really and truly I miss her a lot because she was like one of the prettiest girls on the block that bitch knew how to make money that's why I big up that bitch that bitch she was out there she was doing it that bitch was tearing up the city <laughs> like yeah parties that bitch was everything I just let you know but um in a good spirit of her name, um, what are some of like the fond memories you remember of her? Yeah, so uh, like 2015, uh, 2017. <clears throat> sorry, her and I got really, really close. She helped me raise my kids. She was there for me every single day. Um, she was amazing. My son and her got along so well. Like, they loved each other. They had a really good bond. I don't want to cry. Like, it was a good memory, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I just wish things would have went differently, you know? Things would have ended differently for her. Justice for Alora. All day. She was an amazing person. Like, she was a really good singer, too. Um, she was just a really good person, like, just got lost in the lifestyle, you know, and drugs kind of took over. Um. 
I remember her always being a turn up bitch. You know what I'm saying? She always had a smile on her face. That's one thing I have to say. Whenever I was around Alora, Alora always had a smile on her face. She was always very fresh. Like girl, you got a Girl, you already know. Hello. You know it's crazy because like when I when we went to her funeral, I never realized how like how many people's lives she touched. There was so many people and. Like, because I never really knew that side of her, you know? Like, and it just made me realize, like, she, like, I know she just was a really just good person, you know? Yeah. So, going on, like, a lighter note of things, I don't want you to, I don't want to, like, you know, depress you about, no, you know, that, but I want to keep her sorry. spirit alive and around us. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to know personally, because my siblings, you know what I'm saying? They never told me nothing about my transition. They still there. They talk to me, but I have a funny feeling. Like, you know what I'm saying? So just that little, mm, that cross eye, you know? Mm -hmm. So how was it for you when Alora first came out? Like, how did you feel about it? Um, well, I kind of always had a feeling something was different, you know? Like, she would always play with my Barbies. She would always, like, she would put a t-shirt over her head when she was, like, six years old and pretend <laughs> like she had hair. And um, and then she, when she was 16, she became a little bit more secretive. She didn't want anyone to know. Like, she didn't tell anyone until about 19. And, um, yeah, when I did find out, I was fine with it, you know? Like, I was a little bit like, oh, but, I'm, you know, I was happy that she finally came out and, you know, that's who she wanted to be. So, like, I would never, like, I'll tell you I'm something. Still worried. When she She'd always be my sister in my life, you know. <laughs> she came out to me. It took four hours. This was Alora's dad, y'all. Took four hours of pure hell, and you know your kid's going through hell. And all of a sudden, I thought he murdered somebody or something. I go back and forth between me and she. But anyways, I know sometimes I don't mean to. Yeah, he finally told me. He goes, the first words out of his mouth, Dad, was Dad, I don't want you not to love me. All I said was, do what you need to be do. Do what you need to do. Be happy. Just be a good person. And from what I heard, because I was in Tent City at 519 and all that, everybody loved him. Respected the whole nine yards. And I'm sorry to cut him. That was my baby. Raven, I know it's so it's so emotional, right? It's a, it's like oh, like I feel like everybody needs a hug, but I'm like damn, like we gotta put some fire up in here. Yeah, so, it's real. It's real. Yeah, yeah. Tell us she, about your transition now and your family and how was it? Sure. Um, I I transitioned here in Toronto, so my family's in Bermuda mostly. Um, kind of spread out. My twin brother was in New York at the time. My youngest brother's in Manchester still. Um. So for for me it was a it was a it was an interesting process of of first performing as what I initially thought was drag, um, and then realized that I wasn't performing. I felt more like myself each time I saw myself on stage, mm -hmm. um, and having that kind of um, validation also um, from the audience and from the community was really helpful for me in accepting who. I am. It was actually, I went to um, a conference that Laverne Cox 
was doing um, called Ain't I Woman. Um, very powerful. And it was in at Mohawk College in Hamilton. And so we went there, Ilana went there to table to give information about the program that we run. And there was, the, the theater was like 400 people stacked all for this black trans woman. I had never seen anything like that in my life. Mm. And uh, she came on stage and she said, my name is Laverne Cox and I'm an African-American trans woman. And my, like, I felt like a fire go right through my body and it was like, oh, that's, that's who I am. And it like excited me and terrified me at the same time. Um, and then I, I slowly made the, the decisions to start um, showing up as myself um, in 2014. My mother passed away after a lot of healing and mending and coming together. Um, but it was before our transition, I think it was, I think it kind of catapulted me to like actually like choose my life. Um, and it was difficult for my family at first because we live in a small island, 60,000 people, everybody knows everyone. And so the conversations about queerness and, and transness didn't really happen. People didn't know how to have those conversations. There weren't community centers to go to and all those kinds of things that would have um, information about history or folks like Marsha P. Johnson and Silver Rivera. Like I didn't learn about them until I was here in Toronto. Um, or Beard Rustin, the, the gay civil rights activist who taught Martin Luther King um, about nonviolence. So all these people who were sort of erased from history, I didn't really get a chance to witness that. And of course, growing up, all of the images of trans folks on television were like on Ricky Lake, or... Um, I remember Ricky Lake. Yeah, Ricky Lake, and Jerry Springer, like, mm -hmm. all Jones. those kinds of things. Jimmy Jones, and they were seen as like cheaters or, or homewreckers, but like it was always sort of this um, derogatory form, or like if you look at Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, and that first movie when he, I don't want to talk about mm -hmm. So, <laughs> you know, um, it's every trans person's nightmare. Um, to voice on crowd. Like, there's so many things that were out that were just so painful. Um, but for me, it was my opportunity to like choose myself. And I had surrounded myself by people who loved me and who I loved. And so um, I changed my name and then slowly started like showing up more as myself. And, and so, and now I'm here. It was actually Black Lives Matter Toronto because I changed my name on Facebook before I said anything to anyone, really. Um, and then I joined Black Lives Matter Toronto, and then because people had met me through that, it then blew my name out, and then everyone sort of knew who I was. Um, and so that's kind of what that journey has been like. It's been difficult, because like every day is a bit of a challenge. COVID-19 is an interesting it's been an interesting process because part of it is like, I don't have to be on the subway in the same ways that I was before, like traveling to different places. So I'm not, my confidence is disrupted constantly. Um, and so actually it's, I've been able to like really just invest in my own confidence and love of myself. 
as opposed to keeping on having to interact with people who don't know how to deal with me. And then my speech went viral. But <laughs> <laughs> what it did was it like it brought specific attention to me in a way that um, some of it was great and some of it was really horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also because I think of this because of the speech and because of certain people like Amanda Seals, um, like mentioning my name and, and how to respect trans women, then folks started protecting me online, which I've never had before. Um, so I feel like it's an interesting change and turn with more like trans folks um, mm-hmm. doing stuff out there, you know, making things happen. So. I feel like that segues nicely. Um, season four of the show, Do You Queer What I Queer, that we're running right now, we've turned to look at the future and we're asking guests, like, you know, we asked you what, what does your ideal trans future look like or mm-hmm. queer future, however we phrase it. And um, I'm wondering if both of you would just want to take a minute and talk about you know, what do you envision either your future looking like or a future um, in terms of what you'd like to see in the world? Well, that's a big question, okay. so you can take as <laughs> long as you want. <laughs> well, I'm an abolitionist, which means um, a lot of folks look at that as a negative thing, but what I look at it, of it as is um, my ancestors um, were enslaved people who abolished slavery for me to be who I am right now. So I feel like it's the most loving thing that I can do for myself and for everyone else. And it's a way for folks who, um, it's to end like carceral punishment and prisons and all that bullshit that actually doesn't help correct behavior, doesn't create more care, doesn't create more safety. Actually, we find that when there are more police and there are more prisons and all these kinds of things in our neighborhoods, there's actually a rise in crime. Um, it's actually the capitalist. Right, and then most, mm-hmm. exactly, it's a money-making business. Mm-hmm. Um, so Boy, I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Play that back. Yeah, exactly, money-making business. And so for me, a future would be like everyone having the kind of care and um, support that they need to like live their lives, to have themselves. There's, there's no reason why... The, the head of Amazon should be making more billions of dollars. During COVID. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of us are, are suffering to figure out how we feed our families. Mm-hmm. Um, Could I add on something to that? Absolutely. I just want to say, that motherfucker, okay? Mm-hmm. Didn't even take none of that money he done made from everybody else, take everybody's serve money, okay? And didn't even build not one community housing anywhere in the world. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. That's the type of people you're supporting. I did not purchase anything off of Amazon. Mm-hmm. During COVID, really? I did not buy one thing. I boycotted yeah, Amazon. It may be uncomfortable, right? We're gonna have to give up some of the things, some of the parts of capitalism that we like. Mm-hmm. Like I love Fenty. I will. I will. Yeah, I love. It. Thank you. But at the same time, if 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 I had to give up that, um, in order for like one indigenous girl, one trans girl to be safe in the world, then I'm gonna give it up because mm-hmm. I feel like, um, we get swept into. This um, these systems of, of of whiteness that tell us that if we are just like nice enough or kind enough or clean enough or smart enough, whatever those things are, um, then we'll be respected. Then our families will be taken care of, and that's never really the case. Um, so I'm gonna appreciate where everybody's like, where we don't have to have um, I don't know punishment. Where we're, we're folks who who are 
perpetrators of harm are taken care of, are given care, are given support, and then folks who are also victims of crime are also given um, care and support so that there is a change and a shift in behavior in the way that we hold each other actually in, in love as opposed to um, hate. And not so much judgment, you know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for such a caring and specific answer. I <laughs> thought <laughs> <laughs> So you said something that was pretty interesting to me that I kind of want to bring up. Mm -hmm. So um, you're talking about like how you came into yourself and your name and stuff like that, right? So in my head, I was thinking like, as you were saying that, I was like, oh my God, I remember how I found my name, mm -hmm. you know? And this is something I want to ask you if you knew how Laura found her name. So um, how I found my name before I go to the two of you mm -hmm. is you wouldn't believe it. So I was at McDonald's one day. So I used to call myself Rashida. Mm -hmm. Because my best friend's sister's name is Rashida, and I just always used to love that name. Like, I just used to love her name, right? So I was just like, yeah, my name is Rashida, whatever, right? But I was at McDonald's one day, and I was like, you know what? Like, sorry, I was in the village of Montreal, because I was born and raised in Montreal, right? And I was going to meet some people. And as I was um, walking um, in the village, I'm like, yo, it's hot outside. Like, I need a drink, whatever the case may be. And I went into McDonald's. And during those times, I was, like, I was coming, I came out as bi, at first in my family mm -hmm. I did like almost the whole LGBTQ type like, you know I came up by gay trend you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. so um when I ha when I was thinking to myself like okay like you know I know this is who I want to be and whatever I know this is me like who am I going to call myself because I don't want to mimic nobody mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying and I was like there it was Mocha I went I walked into McDonald's in the village on St. Catherine Street and M-O-K-A spelled out in bold like God gave me that sign swear to God like it's not even a joke that came from Jesus himself he was like yo we here father we here you know what I'm saying so I was like oh shit I was like that's so me and then that's when I started drinking mocha ice caps and shit like that I'm like yo my name is mocha and that's that and that's how I got my name so do you know how Alora found um, her name Michelle honestly I don't know I know she had a few other names before um, but I know she really did like Alora Hennessy maybe mm. she liked Hennessy mm -hmm. she liked the name Alora mm -hmm. and that was the one that she mainly went by for a while so I just think you just really like the name. And Raven, how did you come up with yours? So, uh, <laughs> a little different. Um, after my mom passed away at the funeral, I'm a dancer. So, um, I was supposed to dance with my mom, but um, my stepfather was embarrassed by me and um, refused for me to dance. And so I didn't really get to do that for her. Um, and it like brought up a rage that I didn't know I had. Um, and so after I left and came back here and was talking to my family about homophobia and transphobia and the things I wouldn't accept anymore, um, I was sort of disowned. It was just like a really hard period of time. Um, and I was at home one night, I turned up all the lights and I was like, I, like that. I know that I am supposed to be here. I made a move. Yeah, as I know that I'm supposed to be here, but I don't know how to survive in the way that I am right now. So I need help. Like I need something or someone or some spirit. Like bring it and um, close my eyes, even though it was in the dark. And a name flashed by R A V Y N Raven. Yeah. And that's how that's my cool. name came to me. Wow. I like that. 
Yeah. They should do like just King. Yeah, two signs. I feel like they should do like an all black X Men, and you should be one of them. You should be Rayman. For real. I'll watch that. For real. I think that'd be amazing. Your superpower is drinking ice milkers. Right? Right? And yours is saving the world through dance. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit more about your dance company? Sure. Gilnada Diversity Dance Company started again in 2007. And initially, we were just. Performing in clubs, it was something that we were doing on the side, actually, while because we were all professional dancers and trying to audition for like Cirque du Soleil, all these different things. Um, and so um, we weren't getting work um, because if you don't, if you don't look like uh, Sleeping Beauty or The Prince, then you don't really get a lot of roles because um, I don't look like that. <laughs> It, um, it was really difficult for us to actually find a spot for ourselves. And then the queer and trans people of color community really like held us and, and supported us. And it was actually in 2010 that um, the, the disaster happened in Haiti and everyone was doing these fundraisers. And we hadn't done modern dance and contemporary for a long time. We wanted to be like super heroes because I had never seen anyone who looks like me um, on stage before. So I was like, I want to be my own superhero. Um, and so in that moment, we felt like we wanted to be more um, holding of people's grief. And so we took off the heels and we got real like sensitive. And then we were like crying. The audience was crying. It was like the most powerful. Mm -hmm we had ever felt with our work uh, and then realized that that was what we should be doing. And then we started um, writing grants to teach um, folks in our community to share knowledge, I should say, folks in our community because um, we had all this um, ballet training and ways to keep our bodies safe and a lot of folks were really talented um, but were often injuring themselves after a club night or dancing and stuff. So that's why we initially created our program. Um, right to Dance, it was for like LGBTQ for folks, um, different body types, folks who are deaf and hard of hearing. We've taught, you know, um, folks who are, have no sight, just because we felt like the saying, like everyone can dance, um, should be something that we make happen. I agree with um, that. And yeah. talking about where people can dance, how can people find Ilna and not if they want so to? So right now, we, have, we used to do drop-in classes at the 519 Community Center. Of course, things are different now because uh, <laughs> of COVID-19. But we do have, we still still run our Right to Dance Intensive, which is a two-month intensive that we help mentor folks in creating their own choreo choreography. Um, and dance training. So we teach training and then we help, we give skills for folks to choreograph themselves so they can tell their own stories on the stage as opposed to as a talented dancer or artist, you're going to someone else to help you tell your story and they do it wrong. <laughs> so do you have like a website yeah. um, or? So you can find Yolana on, on our website. It's I-L-L-N-A-N-A underscore D-C-D-C dot com or you just type in Yolana DCDC and you'll find us there. It's beautiful. Okay. You'll be able to find the links down in the bio after this, after mm -hmm. the live stream, just in case you guys do want to join Ilana or um, get taught by Ilana so you could be 
performing on the same stages that oh no no hello <laughs> right raven i love the language of um holding community coming together and holding people and i'm wondering um michelle also if you both wanted to speak to um how have you been holding yourself recently um in the past little while or like do you have any advice for people i mean i just want to throw that out to the circle in general like focusing on healing and and, and holding yourself have you been michelle well i mean it's been two years for me and definitely doesn't get easier i think about them every day um, you know, the memories are always there. It doesn't get easier, but um, you learn how to live, you know? Yeah. I miss them every day, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, something I'll say about that before I answer. Um, something that really helps me in grieving, and I'm not saying that it's easier now, six years yeah. and it's still a thing. Um, but it shifts and it changes, and I had a lot of guilt actually. Me too. Um, for not even just the relationship itself, it's like I had a guilt in terms of like not wanting to succeed because mm -hmm. I didn't want to be disappointed trying to call my mom and then forget. You know, like that was what was happening for me. Um, grief is like the price we pay for love. So the moments that I am sad because I miss them are moments that I have the most actual gratitude and mm -hmm. so for me it's like every day I realize I live with grief I live with like this mixture it's like a birthday cake it's like you have a layer that's a, a pain and then you can also experience joy you can also experience extreme success but all in the same sort of situation yeah, no, I get it. Um, yeah mm -hmm. for me and then for in terms of holding like I have really great folks around me that's not always easy mm -hmm. um, but sometimes people leave themselves. The more you are yourself, people sort of fall away or fall out of your circle, <laughs> let them go. Um, maybe they will return. <laughs> but um, I had to let folks go. I, my, my whole family had to let them go um, and invested in the folks who were also investing in me. So like, go where it's born. Um, mm -hmm. And so that you can develop that. My team, Black Lives Matter Toronto, like, they make it easier for me to be myself in fullness because I think grow, growing, not think, growing up, I didn't feel like I could be a representative of the black community and the queer community. I had to choose one and I mm -hmm. chose myself. Um, and so we're not allowed to be inter intersectional in our blackness or in anything. <laughs> and so um, being a part of this team has helped me to be like, oh, I am black. I'm trans, I'm indigenous, I'm all these different mixtures of, of, of myself, BIPOC, all that. Um, and that's been really helpful. If if you watch the speech, I'm not saying to watch it again, if you watch the speech, my, my friend Rodney was standing behind me, like holding the, the small of my back because I was like having a moment. So that's, um, I have those folks around me and then I sing and I dance and I do things like that. Uh, to help me release. Talk about singing and dancing. Let's move on to something fun now. You know what I'm saying? We got some tricks going on, y'all. You know what I'm saying? We tired of this depressing mood. I'm switching this shit up. Switching this shit up right now. Okay. So we got, um, okay, production, what, what's it called again? Never Have I Ever. Okay, so we got the game Never Have I Ever. So how it's gonna go is actually, we're gonna let, um, period.
So at the end of Tom and I's show, we like to end it with what we call a double rainbow, which is like something really nice that's happened to you either today or in the past week or recently um, that brought you some joy. And the reason we do that is because a lot of our guests and a lot of the stories that are told on Dickwick are um, Dick. hard. Or mm-hmm. that's the acronym on that shirt. Yeah. Do you feel? Um, oh, they said Dicklick. Why? 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 That's right. a different show. Right? <laughs> 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 so we like to we like to leave on sort of a, a more positive. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I'll start. I just want to say my double rainbow today is Michelle and Raven being here with us. Mm-hmm. Hey, so we just want to thank you guys for coming now. Unite. You know what I'm saying? We are here. Um, and that's my double rainbow. Do we want to start with Mir? My double rainbow, or what what's the time period today? It, it can be whatever. You know what? Whenever. Yeah. Whenever. Um I was talking to my mom the other day. She said some really real things to me where I'm just like, and she had a dream. I'm not even going to get into the symbolism, but just like, you know, when you talk to somebody and like all the things they're saying, you can tell the universe is like, this is exactly what you need to hear at this time in your life right now. Mm -hmm. Like, are you listening? Are you listening? Because you better be listening. So that was um, my double rainbow because I was like, wow, like I do need to hear these words. And thank you for sharing that. My double rainbow would have to be, well, like in the past three weeks. I've been doing like busting my ass, just trying to get myself out there. I started my own business doing nano extensions, and it's actually doing well. I mean, it's doing okay. I mean, I have a few clients, and I where can also, people find you? Let them know. Um, yeah, you're about to get a lot more. Michelle's nano extensions on Facebook. Great. Um, and I also started a part-time job, which I haven't worked in eight years because I've been raising my kids, and I'm finally getting myself out there. So. I'm actually um, really happy and yeah. Good for you. Awesome. Good for you. We'll drop a link to that as well in our in okay, our one cool. notes. Sounds good. Um, I don't want to be a copycat, but my double rainbow has also been this moment meeting with Michelle and Raven is so amazing, and I'm humbled and honored. Thank and thank you just both so much for being here. I feel like I'm going to go next because I'm next in order anyway, so I'm going to just say something anyways. And my next rainbow is my skirt I got going on from Tribal Eyes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's going on in Kensington Market. It's uh, Betty, Betty Boop. Uh-huh. Betty Boop. Ganyan Superstar. Yes. Ganyan Designer. Betty Boop. You already know. Travel Eye. Get your black soap. You know what I said? Tea time tips. Clear that shit. Black soap, do your whole body and your hair too. <laughs> Very nice. One soap. Um, a rainbow for me recently was having a conversation with um, Kimberly Latrice Jones. She is an activist and writer, filmmaker from Chicago. She got really, she went viral like a month and a half, maybe two months ago, for her speech around Monopoly and the riots. Mm-hmm. I'm sure many people saw that one. Um, and we talked and talked and it was really great and she helped, she's helping me navigate this whole situation mm-hmm. so that's a rainbow for me mm-hmm. and another rainbow for me which is the biggest one of the year is Diana started following me <gasps> what? what? what's Rihanna? what's Rihanna? what's Rihanna? mic drop right did, that, did we just not get like what? what? Fury what? just threw like <laughs> Oh my god! Really? So like, bitch, like, like you already know, like you better hook a girl. Oh, this is Fetty right here. I got Fetty in the bag right there. If you want me to pull it off. I have a question, Raymond. I have a question for you. Yeah. How did you feel the moment you saw that oh, notification? Yeah. 
Um, well, I was, I was, my nails were terrible now, but I was getting my nails done and I didn't know. My, my twin brother called me and said, hey, bitch, Rihanna is following you. And I was like, are you sure it's not like one of the people uh-huh. who have you know? Yeah. Um, but he saw that like, chat? No, she's only following like 14,000 people oh and you were one of She didn't like, we haven't like had a conversation. She's following me, which is a big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. How can you follow that? Well, I had a sandwich. Yeah, just to reiterate this this lovely little family, thank you for inviting us into this space. Your video really affected me mm-hmm. over many weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I wanted to show everyone that I've ever met it because it just encapsulated, mm-hmm. you know, passion and specificity, and and made clear points about the fight that we're all trying to support. And um, oh, thank you for so your words. It's been nice. Like I'm a little bit starstruck mm-hmm. meeting you. Really? So it's been nice. Right? Yes, bitch. Like yeah. you talking about so everyone make sure you check out Tea Time Tips with Mocha Dawkins if you're on Diglets. Um, do Queer What I Queer, Il Na Na, Follow Raven Wings, check Michelle out Michelle's Michelle Nano's Extensions. And Mir, let them know about everything. So Mir, Mir's head of production from them production. I just want to say, not we not only she head of production, co-owner, co-owner and head of productions of Femme Productions. So big shout out. Um, to set it up all of a sudden, all of us up, you already know. Woo! It was fun. It was fun. Thank you, thank but let them know about your African food. Do you oh my God, so I did this thing. I did this thing. Shout out to Africana Feminism. I did this thing where I made um, Cameroonian puff puff slash beignet. And it didn't turn out, you know, like the, like pictures or anything like that it's supposed to be circular mine was like flat. But it was so good. It was really, really good. Um, I just want to say, yeah. for that, uh, this is, what do you call it? Puff puff. Okay, in Jamaica we call it festival. See? It's a diaspora. So, I'm telling you. If it didn't turn out like the puff puff, it turned out like the festival. See? Period. So I just want to say. Period. Nonetheless, mm. the glasses are coming on. Uh-oh. That means just shade out. I'm Mocha motherfucking documents. Mm. Ellie, Tom from <laughs> Do You Queer How I Queer with our special guests, Raven Wings and Michelle Wheeler. Honey, we thank y'all for tuning in today for our episode. Hope y'all enjoyed your stay with us. Hope y'all had some drinks and some splits going around. Because, yeah. you know, <laughs> we get it popping. We're going to get popping after these cameras. <laughs> so, we're going to see y'all later. Mwah! Mwah! Bye, everybody. Do you queer? 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 Do you que